All right, well, Acts chapter 15 is where we are going to land today. Acts chapter 15. So if you need a Bible, uh, we have one for you uh, around the, the, the rows here. Uh, there are Bibles. If you need one, uh, you don't have one back at home, take that home and, uh, and break it in. Uh, we actually have two for you, come to think of it, because we also have a church app. And if you go to your app store and type in Charles River Church, you can download our app, and we also have a digital one. So you can have a digital one there, or you can have uh, uh, one of these uh, paper Bibles we have around the room. So those are for you. We'd love for you to get there. Uh, Acts chapter 15. The title of my sermon today is Quitter. Quitter. Uh, a frequent thing that will take place uh, in the Wyatt family house is at some point our boys will be outside playing basketball and then somewhere within their time playing basketball, they're done. They come stomping into the house and this happens frequently. One of the boys will say, Dad, he quit. He just quit right in the middle. of the, He just quit and they're really frustrated. And what happens is typically one brother will quit because he was getting smoked. He was getting beat really badly. Or one brother will, will, will quit because of something the other brother did. He fouled him or he didn't like the call that was made. Or, or one brother might quit just because he gets tired. I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to finish the game. I'm done. Sometimes a brother quits because a neighbor or a friend comes by and they're doing something that looks a little more exciting and so they just quit. Now obviously this can be incredibly frustrating for the person who gets quit on that suddenly just abruptly it's game over and so this is what they will say they will say something to the other brother like this you are such a quitter such a punk make me so mad can't believe you're just a big baby you're a you're a quitter somebody ever quit on you think think through your your files of, of stories have you ever had somebody who's quit on you they, they, they bailed on you. Maybe they uh, were playing Monopoly. We always play Monopoly uh, before Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving Eve, we get everybody got to play Monopoly, and it just goes on and on. And anybody ever just like, I can't. I'm done. It's bedtime, right? Uh, just quit. Uh, maybe you've had somebody who's quit on you. Um, you know, you had some plans. You were going to go do something. Maybe you were really excited about this, and then they, they just bailed on you suddenly, and that's really frustrating. Or maybe you've had somebody quit on you with regards to something that you were actually really dependent on them for. You needed them for a, a school project, and somebody bails at the last second. Or, or maybe you're in your workplace. There's, there's a, a person who work can be tough, but as long as this person's there, we're friends. They got my back, and then they go, and they find another job, and it's really tough. Maybe you've had a relationship where somebody's quit on you. They just kind of said, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, maybe it's uh, a friend, or maybe for some of you, it's a spouse. They just, they walked out, they were done, they quit. It's frustrating. And then when it comes to relationships, it can actually be devastating. It can be devastating. Now, today we're, we're talking about quitters, and I, I, I think it'll just be helpful for us because all across the board, we see quitting all the time. With, with technology today, people are flakier more flaky than ever before, right? Uh, with texting, you can just bail on somebody. It's just so easy. In the fall, we did this series we called the Pause Series, and uh, I shared with you this, this little uh, study that was done where uh, they got a bunch of young people together, and they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to make plans with Grandma, and uh, you're going to go out with Grandma. You're going to take her out for a movie or for a dinner, and then they, they made the plans with Grandma, and they said, okay, turn of events. Now we want you all to cancel on Grandma. You would cancel your plans on grandma, but half of you, you can cancel via a phone call, but the other half of you, you're going to cancel via a text. 
and those who canceled via a phone call, uh, it was, most of them, oddly enough, they called grandma, and when they heard the disappointment in grandma's voice, they didn't have the guts to cancel. Oh, oh, grandma, sorry. You know what? We'll make it work. I'll see you. I'll see you at five. But those who texted, it was just, bye, granny. See you later. I mean, it was just, it was, it was that easy, right? We're just, we're flaky. We're getting flakier and flakier because we don't see the personal pain that we can cause people uh, when we quit. Somebody quit on you. Have you ever been there? It stinks. It can, it can actually really hurt. But now we turn it on yourself. Have you ever quit on somebody else? It's important to go there with your, your thinking. Have you, have you ever quit on somebody? You bailed, you gave up, you didn't follow through on, on whatever it was that you committed you were going to do. And here's the reality. We all quit. We all quit. Some are big, some are small. Some are things like, you know what, at the beginning of the year, I got a membership to Planet Fitness, and I was going to get jacked. And you quit. It turned into not a membership, but it was like a donation to Planet Fitness, you know. And then some of you, you know, you, you had a commitment. I was going to read the Bible every day, right? I was going to get through the Bible in a year, and you just bailed on that. Some of you, I, had a, I committed to a diet. I did not follow through. Maybe it was something much bigger, uh, a marriage covenant. I covenanted before God that till death do us part in sickness and health and I, and I bailed on it. I, I, I quit on it. Maybe something that, that you know God called you to do and, and you quit. You, you bailed on it. And, and really quitting is just confirmation of what the Bible says throughout the entirety of the Bible. It just speaks to human weakness. We're, we're weak. And, and truthfully it's not a matter of if we will quit something. It's a matter of when we will quit something. Because we all quit. Not saying, hey, go quit. I'm saying it, it does happen. The Bible speaks to it. It, it happens. And so here's, here's the question. Is when we quit, is that it? Are we done? We never win. We're never successful. Because what do they say? Quitters never win. So is that it? We quit. It's over. This spring we're in a series of messages that we're calling Game Over. And we're thinking through those kind of those game over moments in our lives where, you know what, it feels like there's no recovering from this. And what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of the fact that these game over moments in God's economy can actually be new beginnings because it's an end of a chapter that leads us to a fresh start because God is a God of fresh starts. We started with Easter. God is a God of fresh starts. He's a, he's a God of new beginnings. And the Bible's full of quitters. People that quit, but God continued to use. People that quit on a calling. People that quit on a purpose. Uh, people that, that quit on another, another human being. And, and people even that just quit on God altogether. And we get to see this morning how God responds to quitters. And so here in Acts 15, there's one particular quitter that we get to look at. And his name is John Mark. And let's read his story. Acts 15, uh, beginning in verse 36. Beginning verse 36. It says, And after some days... Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. 
So, here's what we have going on as we break this story down a little bit. We start here with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul previously was a very zealous Jew. He was essentially the Osama bin Laden of his day. He was set on killing Christians. He believed that Judaism was the way and that Christianity was not the ultimate fulfillment of Judaism and Jesus was not the Messiah. And so he was all about eradicating Christianity. And so he's, he's traveling through the Jewish territory and he is killing Jews who have converted to Christianity until the resurrected Jesus meets him on the road en route to go kill more Christians. He meets him on the road. He blinds him. Long story short, the apostle Paul becomes a follower of Jesus. The man who was zealous for killing Christians becomes zealous for Jesus Christ. Now, Paul has this ministry partner in time that we see here. His name is Barnabas. And we first meet Barnabas in, in Acts chapter 4. Uh, he's listed as an example to us of just Christian generosity. He's a guy who, in Acts chapter 4, they give this summary of the early church, and we see that they had everything in common. And this guy so believed it that he sold a piece of property so that he could take the funds, give it to the apostles, and they could use that to further the ministry of the church so that they could actually use that to further the this, this uh, burgeoning Jesus movement. He was also the one who stood up for the Apostle Paul when he goes into Jerusalem as a new converted Christian who was previously murdering Christians. Naturally, when Paul walks into the room, when Osama bin Laden walks into the room, you say, don't kill us, right? And, and, and Barnabas stands up and goes, no, 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 no. He's not going to kill. He's actually one of us now. He's now a follower of Jesus. And people had a tough time believing that. But Barnabas stood up and said, no, no, I can vouch for the authenticity of his conversion. So these two guys become fast friends, Paul and Barnabas. And they uh, eventually become leaders, elders at the church uh, of Antioch uh, until Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, one day uh, they're, they're at the church in Antioch and they're, they're worshiping together. They're praying together, a group of people. And God says through the Holy Spirit, he says, uh, these two friends here are going to be sent out on this epic missionary journey. And so they go and they go on this epic missionary journey, bringing the message of Jesus to urban centers all over uh, the, the Mediterranean Sea region. Uh, we learn in Acts chapter 13 that they decide they're going to bring a guy with them and his name is John Mark. He's going to join them, it says in Acts 13, as an assistant. He's going to be their assistant. John Mark is the guy who eventually writes the gospel according to Mark, a record of the life of Jesus. And so Paul, Barnabas, Mark, and a few others I'm sure uh, head out together. It was awesome and it was awful. God did amazing things. They saw people come to faith in Jesus, become disciples, be gathered as churches, and, 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 and just cities changed all over Asia Minor. But it was also awful in that all the amazing things they were seeing God do uh, came through just great persecution. They were traveling on the sea through really difficult waters. They were going to cities, and half of the city would come to Jesus, and the other half would think this is craziness and get uh, into a riot and an uproar, and, and, and they were hunted down. They were beaten. They were mistreated. They were, they were accused of all kinds of things. In Iconium, uh, the people attempted to stone them. Uh, in Lystra, the apostle Paul was stoned, not with drugs. He was stoned with rocks. They, they encircle him and come around him. And imagine this. We just hear it. We just kind of gloss over it as we read it. But picture the pain. Uh, it's just unbelievable. I can't even, it's impossible to fathom. People encircle you and they just throw rocks at you until you're dead. 
and they literally think he's dead, he's, he's out, and they march back assuming he's dead, and eventually he's resuscitated, and he lives, and in time, they go to seven more cities after that, but then they eventually come back to the church in Antioch, their home church, and it says that they're there for many days, and they are being spiritually and emotionally and I imagine even physically just rejuvenated, right, as they come back together to their home church. It had been a span of three years, A.D. 46, 40, or 44, 45, 46, the three-year span that they had been on this epic journey. Now they're back, and they're recovering. They had seen God do amazing things, but it was really difficult, all the stuff they went, went through uh, in the process to see the gospel proclaimed, disciples made, churches birthed. Uh, it was great difficulty. Now you would imagine, if you think about these, these guys, like soldiers coming back from war. You'd imagine they've kind of become this band of brothers. They're close. They've gone through all kinds of things together. And then here in Acts chapter 15, after some time of healing up, the Apostle Paul looks to Barnabas and he has this idea. He says, you know what? Let's return. Look at verse 36 again. Let's return to the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Let's go out again on another epic journey, journey number two, and let's revisit those brothers. Let's strengthen those churches. And Barnabas agrees, says it's a great idea. But the disagreement comes with regards to the composition of the team. Barnabas says, let's bring John Mark again. And Paul says, what? John Mark? No. He does not want John Mark on the team. We see in verse 38, why? Because on that first missionary journey that they went on, John Mark quit. In Pamphylia, he just quit. We don't know why. We don't know if he was homesick. We don't know if he was exhausted. We don't even know if he was maybe physically hurt. We don't know why, but we do know that he quit. While Paul was sweating and bleeding and being beaten and left for dead, John Mark bailed. And so for this reason, the Apostle Paul says, second time around, I'm not making that mistake. I'm not making that mistake. I'm not bringing softies. This is, this is a big deal. We are making much of Jesus. No thank you. John Mark is not on the team. Now look at verse 39 again. And so it says there arose a sharp disagreement, and they separated from each other. The legends. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas. These two guys get split. And John Mark broke up the band. He is Yoko Ono, right? Breaks up the Beatles, you know? Now some factors to the sharp disagreement. Colossians chapter 4, 10 will tell us that Barnabas and John Mark are cousins. Ah, it's my cousin. Let's give him another chance. He's all right. He's not so bad. We also know that Paul is a strong personality. If you read his letters, this guy is a really strong personality. He was zealous for Judaism. Now he's zealous for Jesus. He is passionate about the mission. Barnabas, his, his birth name was Joseph, but the apostles started calling him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because he was this guy who had this big heart, and he just so cared for people. He wanted to lift their, their spirits. And so you can start to kind of begin to, to see how this disagreement could be birthed, how, how it was foreign. Paul is all about the mission, whereas Barnabas is all about 
the man. For Paul, the mission that God called me to at my conversion is such a big deal. We have got to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all over the globe. And so this is a massive deal. We are bringing the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. This is huge. This is so important. The mission is important. But for Barnabas, the man, John Mark, this is more important. He's my cousin. I love him. He's my boy. Uh, Grace, Paul, grace. This is a big deal. The, the, the mission is important, yes, but, but the, the people and, and, and how the mission can be used to help people and to shape people. And let's not leave the man behind for the sake of the mission. And Paul says if the man holds up the mission, there's an issue. And they're back and forth. There's, they're, they're back and forth. And these best friends could not agree. So the question is, who's right? Who's right and who's wrong? As you look in the scriptures, you don't see. You're, you're, you're never told. There are different elements of both arguments that, that they both make sense. The Bible never tells us. Is that hard for anybody? That's hard for me. Like, please tell me who's right and who's wrong because I, I kind of le- lean more Apostle Paul and, and how I'm made up and some of you lean the opposite direction how you're made up. I'm like, hey, this is the mission. This is what we, we've got to do. It's, I lean more black and white. Here's what we do know. Here, here, here's what we do know. Uh, our, our first of three big takeaways I want to give you. What we do know is that God's mission continues in spite of the quitters. John Mark quits and God's mission continues. See, John Mark must have felt horrible, right? He must have just felt horrible. One, because he's a quitter. And he realizes that he's a quitter. Barnabas and and Paul come back and they probably have a gathering, something like this in Antioch and God's people are together. And you would imagine, much like we do from time to time, have people give reports. Uh, These guys come up and they give testimony to all that God has done on their journey. And I I just picture John Mark in the back corner just sitting and kind of hanging his head realizing, I quit. They persevered. They saw God do great things. I quit. I quit. And then, to add insult to injury, these two best friends who were up front talking and sharing about all that God had done, now they split because of me. I broke up some best friends because of me. It's all my fault. As a kid, I, I, I was really good, sly, at moving between mom and dad, right? Because I knew that, that I could kind of manipulate some situations. Like, I knew that my mom was more the disciplinarian, and my dad was a softy. And if I was misbehaved, sometimes my mom would say, you just wait till your father comes home. And I'm like, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. And if she disciplined me before my father came home, it was going to be a lot worse than if we waited till dad came home, and he's coming home from work, and he's like, I just want to hang out with the kids. I want to be the friend, right? And so I would try to figure out how we could just wait till dad came home, you know? And, and, but eventually what would happen with that manipulation is from time to time, I caused my parents to fight, right? That felt awful. I remember this kid being like, you're going to get a divorce and it's my fault. They never got a divorce. They're fine. They're great. They're still together. It's great, right? But I, I remember, but can you imagine for John Mark, he breaks up the legendary team, Paul and Barnabas. But let me tell you something. And some of you, I think, need to hear this this morning. You cannot screw up God's plans. You can't. You can try as hard as you want. You can fail as hard as you want. You cannot screw up God's plans. Remember back to our series on Joseph? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God takes your sins and your failures and your mistakes and he works them for good. John Mark quit. 
it looks like he ruined the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. However, with God's redemptive purposes, he didn't ruin it. What did he do? He multiplied it. He took one great missionary journey and he turned it into two great missionary journeys because Paul goes one way and he takes Silas and Barnabas goes this way and he takes his cousin, John Mark. And instead of thousands of disciples being made, thousands times two disciples are made. You can't screw up God's mission. It's going to continue. And whenever you quit, whenever you sin, you should feel conviction. God does that in your heart. You should turn back to God. We call that repentance. You should confess what you've done to those people who are affected. But do not ever, ever, ever get stuck in the shame and and the weight of thinking that I ruined everything. Because you didn't ruin everything. God is sovereign. God is in control. And we have a very creative God. I love that. And your failure is an opportunity for him to showcase his redemptive ingenuity. You can't can't mess it up that he can't fix it. God's mission continues in spite of the quitters. Now here's here's the next big takeaway that I, I see in this scripture. Is that God's grace is given even to the quitters. God gives grace even to the quitters. Some of you are like, he shouldn't do that. Not to that one. You don't even know what they did to me. This is how God is. This is his character. In the book of Acts, you see the quit, and you see the split in Acts 15, and then that's it. That's it. You see the quit and the split, and disciples made, but that's it. But there's good news. There's resolution to this story, and you have to wait a while, but it comes in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, Paul's dying letter, just before he's killed, He's in a jail cell, and he's about to be killed, and you can hear it in the tone of his letter to Timothy. He's aware that we're nearing the end. I've run the race, right? He, he, he's, he's nearing the end. And so he, he ends with some final kind of closing requests to Timothy, his young disciple. Listen to, to 2 Timothy 4.11. We'll put it on the screen. He says, Luke alone is with me. Luke traveled with him. Luke was kind of his physician, and uh, Luke was also a historian. And Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul on missionary journeys. He says, Luke is left. He's the only one left. But then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Paul's at the end of his life. Luke is the last man standing. Many have been sent out to go and to be a part of these other churches that he started, just like we try to send people out to help the churches that we're starting around greater Boston. Many people have been sent out, like Tychicus says. Some have deserted him, just bailed on the mission altogether, like Demas. And and so here we just have Paul and Luke at the end of his life, the jail cell. And he says, here's who I want by my side at the very end. I want Mark. Go get John Mark. I need him. I would imagine that Paul has been deeply wounded by Mark. At one point, he felt like Mark was unreliable. But at this point in his life, he had the godliness to be gracious to John Mark, to rekindle the friendship. And it had not just been been rekindled a little bit. It had, had been rekindled, restored, and had grown to the point that they weren't just cordial, right? You ever have an issue with somebody and you're like, you know what? God wants me to make this thing right. And so you make it right, but you just live the rest of your life. We're just cordial with each other. Hi, how are you? I want to make it right so that if I see him in the grocery store, it won't be awkward. I'll just say, hey, good to see you. I hate you, right? But no, they weren't just cordial. They were close. They were close. I want him there with me at the end of my life. Paul is zealous 
zealous for Jesus. And listen, if you are going to be zealous for Jesus, you have to be zealous for grace. Because Jesus is all about grace. He's all about giving grace. And grace is when you give somebody what they don't deserve. And that's what Jesus does. That's what the, the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus. That's what it is, is, is God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us life and, and restoration into relationship with him. We broke it, he restores it by, by becoming a man and, and living perfectly and dying on the cross and resurrecting the life and giving us that resurrection, that new life. That's grace, he gives us that. And if you wanna be zealous for Jesus, every single Christian, there's no room to not be zealous for, for grace. You have to be about showing grace all the time. That's who Jesus is. That's who we are. And that's who Paul became as he's a representative of Jesus to the people that he was ministering to. Oftentimes, I think for us, it's, it's hard to believe that God wants to give us grace. Sometimes the people who are hardest on us with regards to giving grace are not the other people, it's ourselves. And for some of us who have quit on things or sinned in big ways, it's hard to receive the grace that God gives you because you have the signs all around you of your mistakes that are just frequent reminders. You see the, the results of the havoc that you've wreaked with your quitting. You quit on your marriage and you got divorced. And so all around you, you see the havoc that it's wreaked on relationships with your friends, with your, your children so many times, in-laws, other people. You can see the havoc that it's wreaked on your personal finances, this decision. That maybe you thought this was, this was the better way out, but it turned into this ongoing source of pain all around you. And I want you to know that even though those reminders are, are, are screaming at you all the time, that God has given you grace. God is giving you what you don't deserve. He is gracious and he's restoring you back into relationship with him. Listen, when you quit on God, God doesn't quit on you. He's still working in you. He's still working through you. He still has plans for you. During World War II, uh, there was this powerhouse leader. Many of you have heard of him. His name's Winston Churchill. Uh, he was the prime minister of England. And I'm sure you've heard of him. He's not only a great leader, he's a great, great communicator and just a really strong personality. And one of his most famous quotes that he, he says, you maybe have seen it on a plaque somewhere, maybe you've had it on a, on a coffee mug somewhere. His, one of his most famous quotes, he says, never give in, never give in, never quit, Winston Churchill. And it fits his personality. He was known as the bulldog of Britain, right, by the Nazis, because this guy would never quit. He never gave in. He was determined. He was just fighting and fighting and fighting. And this quote actually comes from a longer speech that he gave at his alma mater. I know a lot of our professors are not here today because they're at graduations. There's graduations happening all over Boston this weekend. And, and he's speaking at his alma mater. And, and he says, never give in, never give in. But here's the greater context for his, his quote. He says, never give in, never give in, never, never, never give in. You fired up? That's a good one so far. That really works. But then he continues, accept. Accept to convictions of honor and good sense. That latter part of the quote doesn't ever fit on a, on a plaque, does it? It doesn't quite fit on your coffee mug. Accept. But listen, even the British bulldog himself knew that there are some times where it's appropriate to quit. 
There are some times where it's appropriate to give in. There are some times where it's appropriate to change course from the original direction you were going. For example, wives, keep your elbows really tight right now, okay? Sometimes your, your man might be driving somewhere and he is certain that this is the direction and he is, you know what I'm talking about? My wife would totally be elbowing me right now. This is the right way. We are going this way and he is determined. And, but there's gotta be a time when you realize this isn't working. I need to quit. I need to change. No, 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 no. Never, 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 says Winston Church. That wasn't the whole quote. Keep going. Except sometimes it's good sense to quit. Sometimes you probably should give up. This weekend, preparation for the, the sermon, I just went on Google and I typed in uh, famous quitters. And there are different lists of famous quitters. But I was, I was surprised at the top three quitters that kept popping up, famous quitters. Number one, King Edward VIII quit the throne of England. Uh, number two, Richard Nixon uh, quit the presidency. And then number three, Sarah Palin <laughs> quit the office of uh, governor of Alaska for her political career that didn't go anywhere. And I, with every single one of those, I, thought, I read it and I thought, I think each of those people should have quit. They probably, that's probably the right thing. Like King Edward gave up the throne for love, but history then goes on to tell us that his, his, his character wasn't all that strong. And so maybe it was better for Britain that he just wasn't the, the king anyhow. It was lacking. Richard Nixon, uh, yeah, how, how did he make that list? He was about to be fired anyhow, right? He was about to be impeached. I, don't, I didn't get Sarah Palin, yeah, okay. So there, there are times where it's appropriate to quit. Like to change course or our career path or, or, or there are times to, to give up on a, a damaging relationship. Sometimes in Winston Churchill's word, it's, it's honorable. Sometimes it is good sense to give up one thing for another to change direction. But listen to me, that is not what we're talking about here. That is not what we're talking about here. For Mark, this wasn't time to give in. When I say quitter, I'm not talking about quitting one thing to, to, to go do something that, that's maybe better in the end. We're, we're talking about quitting on something that you know God called you to do. We're talking about quitting on something that you should have finished. Quitting on something that you said with your honor and your integrity that you would do. Quitting on something that I am convinced this is what God has called me to do. And many of us, I imagine, can relate to this. Not that we quit our job because there was a better offer. Not that you quit, it made sense to quit. I'm talking about quitting something that you never, never, never should have given up on. And maybe you're still seeing the devastation all around you, like John Mark was. Here's what you need to see. You need to see God's grace as seen in the actions of the Apostle Paul. God is gracious and he'll give you what you don't deserve. It was game over. And I think back to those video games. It says game over, but underneath you could also click what? Continue or new game. God's grace is given to the quitters. But here, here's, here's the next one. God's purposes are accomplished through those who were once quitters. Not only is God gracious and, and forgiving and he restores their relationship, but he also chooses to use John Mark again. What's, what's the word in 2 Timothy uh, 
He says, get Mark and bring him with you. There's the restored relationship. For he is very useful to me for ministry. So there's the relational restoration. And now here's the positional restoration. God is using him again. He failed, but God's still going to use him again. He's useful for ministry. Some of you feel like I've messed up so bad. God has moved on. Yeah, God's going to forgive me, but he's not going to let me be used again. God's smart. God, God knows better than that. And you would be wrong. Bible is full of stories, full of stories of God using people that were unfit, were unqualified by man's idea of what means, what, what looks like a fit person or a qualified person. God is using John Mark again for ministry, for the encouragement of the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. Uh, he uses him to write a book of the New Testament, hashtag no big deal. I mean, God is using him again. Listen, I want you to get a vision, not simply of God's grace, God's forgiven me. I want you to get a vision in your head of restoration. I want you to get a vision in your mind of God using you. Despite the stuff of your past, God's still using you, still doing things through you. Quitters never win. Wrong. Quitters didn't win because they quit. But quitters can win again this time because of God's grace and God's restorative power. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. So get that vision if you've been a quitter. There's something you, you didn't do that you should have followed up on. There's some commitment that you said, I'm in, and you bailed. There's a relationship that you should have never quit on and you quit. I imagine with a, a message like this, we got people on both sides of the aisle and some kind of switch hitting here all over the place. Some of us who need to be Christ-like and gracious to somebody and offer grace and offer forgiveness. God's already given it to them and now it's time for you to give it to them. And then others of us in here, you've quit something and you need to receive the grace of God and you need to receive that renewed purpose for your life that God has for you. He's not through with you. He's not. Just open the pages of your Bible. There are story after story after story after story. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, to bring you into a family as we sang about earlier. His grace is for you. But it's not just so that you can be cleaned up from all the past stuff, but it's so that he gives you what? A new game. A new life. It was game over, but God is a God of new beginnings and he's got something for every single one of us. And I'm praying today that you will see that and you will believe that and you will, will in time be able to look back like John Mark and see the fast forward. Uh, see, wow, he brought me from here to I'm useful again. I'm being used to God in big ways. I made a mistake. We all have made mistakes, but God wants to give you a fresh start. You need to receive it need to believe it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word.